We've been reading five chapters a week, and some of us started a, a year ago. And we're on our last week of reading, and if you skipped ahead and went on and finished it, which I imagine some have, that's good. I'm glad that you've done that. So this week's uh, reading is Hebrews chapter 9 through 13. And I appreciate Richard using uh, Hebrews in our Lord's Supper this morning. As he's reading that passage, I'm, I'm thinking, I just read that. So I'm glad that he did that. Uh, I don't know if he already read ahead and got into that section already. I imagine he did. But it's good that uh, a lot of us who've been reading together are finishing and others were more than halfway through in our reading. And I hope that you'll continue to memorize Scripture as well. So this morning, uh, I did take a message from Hebrews chapter 11. Next week, we'll be getting into uh, the Gospel of Matthew. And if you have any thoughts or questions, things that come up in regards to the Gospels um, that you like to hear messages on and, and things about, I appreciate you giving me that instruction. Right now, I've got a, I'm starting a list because I've gotten two or three requests for different things recently. And I like that. I like it when you tell me, like, we need to hear this as a congregation or it'd be good to hear on this subject matter. So as I was looking over our reading for this week and I was looking at Hebrews chapter 10, I thought maybe I'll stay away, for, for, stay away from the subject right now of not forsaking the assembly. You know, there's a lot to have to unravel right now with a lot of churches suspending uh, their assemblies and gatherings and, and what's going on there. And, you know, I, to be able to defend both sides... I've even seen some brethren getting angry at one another about how, how people are handling this. I'm very thankful for the way that we are being able to handle it. And it's a blessing as a small congregation not to make some of those big congregation decisions that a lot of them have to make. Before we get into our study this morning on the subject of faith, as it is our assurance of hope, and we're going to be getting into the faith chapter, Hebrews chapter 11, let's pray together. Please pray with me. Our Heavenly Father, we love you. And we thank you for the love that you have for us, for your mercy and grace that we see every day, for the days that you give us, the breath that we have in our lungs and the food that we're able to eat. The Father, we have a life to live and we do it to your glory. The Father, we can do that in the light of your Son and in the, according to the word that you've given to us through him. And Father, we ask your blessings upon us this morning as we study these scriptures that have been revealed from the Holy Spirit through the biblical writer, that Father will be encouraged that our faith will be strengthened, that our hope will be fascinated upon the eternal life that you promised to us. And Father, may that change us and continue to give us endurance to live the right life, to be an example and light to the world around us. Again, we thank you for your grace and your forgiveness, and we pray this in Christ's name. Amen. So if you do have your Bible, you might want to open it right now. We're going to begin to get into... Uh, Hebrews chapter 11, but I'm going to back up a little bit into Hebrews chapter 10 to give us an introduction. But when I think about this, you think about the things that you do for a reward, things that you will endure. It's interesting, my, my boys will come to me and they'll say, Dad, is there anything we can do for money? And they did that last week. I said, you can do this. I want you to go around the house, because they did this last year. I want you to go around the house and pull the weeds from the, the, flower, the, the pine straw that goes around our house, about two feet all around the house. Last year they did it. And I think they're both, I gave them five bucks each for doing it, because that's work that I really don't want to do. But, uh, and they endured it. Um, they asked me last week if they could do it, and I said, yes, you fill up this bag full of weeds, and I'll give you five dollars in each one that you do. They have yet to do that yet, but 
I don't know if they're going to do it this year. But they're willing to endure that. They'll get out there and work with me. And sometimes I have to make them do that, help me to do certain things. And you might think about certain things in your life, maybe a job that you've worked that you, you hated it, you couldn't stand it, or the, what was behind it, or it might have been even your employer and the stress that could have been put upon you, but you continue to do it. Why? Maybe it was the paycheck, maybe because you were put in that position, maybe it was a time of necessity. You might think about the times that you've been in school, and I can think about that, you know, furthering education, the work that's a part of it, and the end reward of it. And a lot of times the fruit is what you're studying, and then sometimes there are things you do and you look back on it, it's like, did I really need to do that, you know? Um, but there's amazing things that we will endure for reward, things that we will go through, the conditioning that we'll put on upon our bodies to discipline us, the diets we put ourselves on, the different things that we do in, um, in, in trying to accomplish something. But if we look in, in the book of Hebrews, we see that. We see that faith operates in a, in a very much that way. I remember studying um, psychology, especially in graduate school, and some of the basic core needs of individuals being their significance and their purpose in life and things that motivate them, and then their security. So insecurity or fear will often motivate people in a lot of things they do in their life, but also purpose and meaning and an objective that, that gives them meaning in life, those goals, those rewards they'll also work for. So this really gets down to the core of who we are and how we behave in life. And so what we get into, and we see this in the book of Hebrews, is that you've got a number of people whose background was the Jewish faith, and they're, they're starting to leave. And some of them are going back to the law, and they're going back to Judaism. And the writer, who I believe is Paul, is pleading Let's say the author is Paul, the writer, according to history, uh, a lot of his, um, historical sources was, would be Luke writing down what Paul was saying. And so there's a lot of words in here that tie into Luke. But what is being expressed here, again, are these are leaving the church. And just like in the book of Galatians, like Paul's writing to the Galatians and he's saying, you're leaving, but you remember what you've endured, what you've gone through for the faith of Jesus Christ. Why are you so easily going back to the law now? Why are you going back to live in this life? So let's read a little bit about what's going on here to give us some context. Hebrews chapter 10, 34 to 36. This is giving us an introduction into the faith chapter, the book of Hebrews. He says, for you had compassion on those in prison. And so we begin to see this. And there's another passage that says, you have not yet endured bloodshed, but there are some of them who are in prison. And you joyfully accepted the plundering of your property. Can you imagine that? You know, the government came or somebody, the, the officials around you took over your business or your home or whatever it might be, your property, and took it from you. Would you, would you allow that with joy would you, because you are a Christian? And the Bible continues to tell us, even Jesus' Sermon on the Mount says we need to rejoice in persecution and enduring such things. I, and this is what they're going through. And because they're going through this, some of them are starting to say, well, I, or, do I really want to go through this? Is the Christian fit? Why don't I just go back to law and try to follow God that way? And then he says this, since you knew that you yourselves had a better possession and an abiding one. And this is continual in the book of Hebrews. It's that he's motivating. He's saying, listen, this is what you did. This is where your focus was. It was on an abiding possession, a better one. You're getting something and a reward. That's what you were working for. He says, therefore, do not throw away your confidence. Don't throw away your faith. Don't throw away your confidence, your assurance. 
which has a great reward. Don't throw away what you live for, that your hope was in Jesus Christ. He says, for you have need of endurance. That's what's happening there. There's a lack of endurance. So we want to look at our Christian life and say, I seem to struggle in having endurance and having confidence and maintaining the way that I'm supposed to be living. And if I did back up into Hebrews 10, you get to what some other things that were going on there. Hebrews 10 and verse 24, he says, and don't forget to stir one another to love and good works. He says in verse 25, not forsaking the assembly of yourselves together as is the manner or the habit of some, but continue to encourage one, day, one another as the, days are, 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 as the day is coming upon you. And then in verse 26, he says, but if you willfully continue on sinning, there remains no more sacrifice for your sins. And he says, anybody who continues to willfully sin is trampling the Son of God underfoot and outraging the Spirit of grace. And he stresses that, and they're profaning the blood of the covenant. And so he's tying in how being faithful in the assembly and in the church and stirring one another to good love and good works tie in together. And he's also tying that in because the writer, even from Hebrews chapter 3, is saying you need to encourage one another. You need one another as a church to encourage one another to stay away from the deceitfulness of sin. It is deceitful. It is going to lie to you. It's going to pull you away. And so now... The writer here is encouraging these Christians to remain confident in their reward, to be motivated by the one that is abiding, that will never end. He says, for you have need of endurance, so that when you have done the will of God, you may receive what is promised. Look at the focus there on what is promised, the details of it. A few weeks ago, we looked at the, the subject of, of God's promise, and we, we built off of Revelation 21 and 22 and tied it in with the book of Hebrews as well about looking forward to the heavenly kingdom and the homeland, that country, the city that God has built for us, and how that is to compel us and motivate us, and it should. Continue reading with me, verses 37 to 39. He says this, For yet a little while, and the coming one will come and will not delay. But my righteous one shall live by faith. And if he shrinks back, my soul has no pleasure in him. And this is very similar to what Paul says in Romans chapter 1 and verse 17. He says, the righteous live by faith. And he's quoting from Habakkuk chapter 2 and verse 4. If you're a righteous person, if you're following God, you live by faith. Faith in what? That God, not only that He exists, that He is the one who created the universe, but He is the one who gives His promises and that we know that we're going to receive them. We believe in Him and we trust in Him. Yes, I'm going to receive a reward, and I believe that. And I'm not going to give it up. And so the writer encourages them. And that, he says, he says, but we are not of those who shrink back. You notice that description there. And there might be some of us in this congregation right now who look at some times in our life when we shrink back from the faith. We didn't have the boldness, the confidence, and the assurance of hope. And you can see that. You can see it in how you prayed. And your behavior, you can see in living in any kind of deceitful sin, you can see it in your lack of reading of Scripture, and you can see it in your lack of being a part of the church. He says, but we are not of those who shrink back and are destroyed, but of those who have faith and preserve their souls. And I find the words in Hebrews 11 extremely encouraging. We talk about some of the things we endure for. You think about some of the things that you've ever quit you might quit an occupation. You ever quit a team? Um, if you've, you think about the number of things in life. You, know, you ever quit a diet? 
most of us in here that say, yeah, I've quit a diet before. Um, usually we quit things like that because we don't see the benefit in them anymore. And I think that really gets it to the core, right? Because you, when you see Christians quitting, when you see them quitting on the faith all out, um, limiting their, their reading, li- limiting their faithfulness, they're, they're seeing no benefit in it. Their focus is not on the reward anymore. It's not on what God has promised. The one who is faithful, the one who's created everything, who offers us so much more. So I ask you this morning, as a tie into the problem we want to address with Hebrews is, what do you look forward to receiving from God? And someone to ask you why you are a Christian, would you tell them, well, I look forward to eternal life. I look forward to the day of resurrection. I look forward to the, the heavenly country that God blesses, who promises to me. That's what I look forward to, and I believe in it. And then I would ask you this, how does your faith affect the way that you live? And, and you can look right now, and you can examine yourself this morning and see, all right, this is what I'm doing, this is how I'm growing as a Christian, or, or where I'm lacking. And you can find a connection to you not doing that, and and you having a lack of motivation because you don't see the benefit, the blessing, you haven't thought about the promises of God, and maybe you don't really believe in them. It's not a part of your thinking. And I think you, you see this a lot because some individuals, they come to the Bible and treat it as a rule book, and they, they read a few things here, and they find some things fascinating, and they find their favorite parts and stick to it, but a lot of them don't have that hope, they don't have the faith of eternal life, that promise that we've been reading throughout the book of Hebrews here that changes your behavior. We remember James chapter 2 that says, faith without works is dead. And you see that in the book of Hebrews, that he's saying that faith without works is dead, and if you have a real faith, it's, it's going to be effective, it's going to be obedient, and it's going to be a faith that hopes in eternal life. Let's take a look at our reading this morning, make some observations here. I want to look at Hebrews chapter 11, verses 1 through 3, the very beginning of the faith chapter Hebrews chapter 1 verses sorry Hebrews chapter 11 verses 1 through 3 Hebrews 11 verses 1 through 3 and the text says now faith is the assurance of things hoped for the conviction of things not seen you think about that okay I believe and I believe in God But am I believing in what He has promised to me? Do I have an assurance of those things hoped for? Do I have a conviction about them? Verse 2, For by it the people of old received their commendation. And what we're about to read, and when you go through Hebrews chapter 11, you get a list of people who have their commendation from God, whose names are written in the Bible and in the Old Testament, and some of them written just in Jewish history. And the writer goes through and gives a list of them. He says, look at their faith. God has given His commendation to them because they believe God will reward them. And they did the things that they did because of their belief in eternal life. Because they were expecting and looking for something more. Look at verse 3. Verse three. He says, by faith. And this is that pattern that appears all throughout Hebrews chapter 11. By faith, by faith, by faith. So he says, by faith, we understand the universe was created by the Word of God. We believe Genesis chapter 1. We believe that God in the beginning created the heavens and the earth. And so we understand that the universe was created by the Word of God, that Jesus Christ was there in the beginning. He is the wisdom, as we read about in Proverbs chapter 8, by which God created all things. 
That is who he is. And so that what is seen was not made out of things that are invisible. And I think those are important things. I find a lot of times those who fall away, they lose their faith, and they don't, they're not believing in God anymore. A lot of times when they say they don't believe in God, and I've pointed this out before, that's, their picture of God is distorted. It's agnostic and it's negative. It's like, I, I can't believe in that God. Well, I don't believe in the God that you're saying you disbelieve in either because you're, you're not, you don't have an accurate picture. You're not showing what the Bible says. You're not showing what Christ says. You're not believing in the one who is presenting there. And you're just dismissing this you're, it's as though you're afraid of it. But faith is, this is what we've seen in our reading, faith is the substance of what we hope for toward eternal life. It is the certainty of things not seen. I don't see God. How can I see the creator of the whole universe? I can't, but I can see his works and I can see his attributes in creation and I can read his word and I can see the life of Jesus Christ and know and believe and have certainty. We see this, that those different examples, and I might be getting ahead of myself, but most of us in here, the reason we're Christians is because we have looked at the faith of others in our life. We can think of a father, a mother, we can think of an aunt, an uncle, a grandmother, a grandfather, whose example was abiding, even when there are other people in our life who went astray. I look in my own family growing up, and when, when I think a lot of people would have abandoned their faith, I looked at those who kept it, and they made an impression on me. And that's what the writer wants you to do. He wants you to look at the faith of this whole list, by faith, how they lived, where their hope was, fascinated in what God promised and how Their lives stayed faithful, how they endured, how they changed. They are those of commendation. They they received the testimony of God that they were truly faithful. And in the very beginning of this, we know that the Word of God created the universe. That is essential to faith. Knowing who God is. Having an accurate picture of who He is. Romans 1 warns us that those who don't understand God and they dismiss the truth about God and they don't recognize God and they don't honor God and they don't thank God. And that would be my concern right now when a lot of congregations and a lot of people, members are away from church, that they don't get away from that, of recognizing God, of honoring and thanking Him. And I know many of them, most of them, I would like to believe, will not. But I wonder in a few weeks from now, how many of them will be eager to come back into the congregation? What's going to happen over time? Have they lost that encouragement? And I think those are things to think about, even for us, as we're, we're not together as much. So we want to make sure that we hold to that faith. But even Romans 1 warns that those who don't recognize, honor, and thank God, those who don't worship Him, will not believe in Him. I remember uh, some that I've grown up with who grew up in the church, and they would never sing, they never worship, they never read their scripture. They weren't really encouraged by their family to do that. But they were in church all the time. And, and, and it's sometimes, yeah, they confessed the faith in God. But eventually, once they left their parents' house, they drifted away. And they no longer believed. Because, why? And I think a lot of it has to tie in where they're really honoring God, where they're worshiping Him. Was their faith in the right place? So the writer of Hebrews gives us examples of faith. And the things that happen in the examples of it. So by faith, Abel offered up a better sacrifice with better gifts. We read about in Hebrews chapter 11. And God commended Abel's faith. His worship was right. 
He worshipped in the way that God told him to worship. He worshipped in a way in which his heart was right. And that is an act of faith. And so the way that we worship God demonstrates what we believe and that we trust in Him and believe in the promises that he's, He promised to give us. Enoch pleased God demonstrating Enoch's faith and so God commended him. We were about Noah. Noah built the ark. And before even seeing the flood, he trusted in God and that God would save him in that way. And so in his faith, he built it and saved his household. Abraham obeyed God and went to live in a land of promise. And the text says he was looking for a greater place. He was looking forward not to go home. He was looking for a greater homeland, not just the land of Canaan or the promised land, but to enter into eternal life and to have a heavenly homeland. Sarah, by faith, received the ability to receive a, conceive a son. And as we look at some of these examples right here, we know a lot of them weren't perfect. We know Noah wasn't perfect, and Abraham wasn't, and Sarah wasn't. But they still lived by faith. Even in their mistakes, they continued to follow God. They corrected their path. We continue to read, Abraham offered up Isaac. Why? Because he believed that God could resurrect him. That was our scripture reading this morning. He had belief in that. He said, okay, God promised to give to bless all the nations through my son Isaac. He asked me to offer him, I'll offer him up. Now, how is God going to resolve that? Well, he believes that God will resurrect him from the dead. And we see that faith throughout the book of Genesis of, of being buried with their fathers, the way the burials were done, that it showed their confidence in the final day of resurrection. Isaac blessed his sons, and Israel blessed his sons by faith in God's promises. That God said, there's a better land for you. And this is why they're faithful to God. And this is why they prayed and, off, and asked God to bless the next generation. Joseph mentioned the exodus to come, and he gave instructions to take his bones to the promised land. Well, why does that matter? I think the more that you understand what uh, the ancient Jews, what the Bible says about the resurrection and the belief, and you read passages like Ezekiel 37 and the Valley of Dry Bones, you get a picture of what a lot of them were anticipating resurrection. And so them being buried in a tomb and then their bones being preserved was a way of them saying, I believe. The way that I want to be buried, I want, to know, I want the whole world to know that I believe in the resurrection. Now, Moses chose to be mistreated with God's people rather than enjoy the pleasures of sin. He did that by faith. And then the writer goes on and he mentions a list of others who endured and even died for their faith. He mentions um, one being sawn in two. And according to history, um, Isaiah was found hiding in a tree. And I believe, as I recall, it was Ahab, the king who was wicked, who had it cut in two. And that's how Isaiah, according to Jewish history, died. And that's not something that we find in the Bible, but it's mentioned there as an historical fact. And you have other examples there. If you continue to read in Hebrews chapter 11, you have a list of those who were willing to die because they believed in the resurrection, it says. And there's a text, this is not Scripture, but in 2 Maccabees, which is a good historical book, I know some people tried to add it to the Scriptures and it doesn't belong there. The Jewish people didn't hold it as Scripture. But in it, it does have a good his historical lessons to it. And in it, there are these seven sons who each were tortured from the oldest to the youngest and before their, before their mother by a Greek king, Antiochus. And he, will, he, did tor he did horrible things to them, including dismemberment and other things. And as they were being killed, 
that each one would confess, I believe in the resurrection. And I believe that God will give whatever you take from me back to me again. And so the writer of Hebrews is he's using that history as well to say, remember these who live by faith, who have their commendation from God. I encourage you this morning, check your own history. Look into those within your family, those who you look forward and you think about. Think about those in your past. I think about my grandfather growing up, his example, his Bible as it sits in my office. Um, I remember my grandfather passed away when I was 14. He was 64 years old. And he, his example to me is still bearing upon me. I know what he believed. And I looked at his obedience and I looked at his hope and his faith and that he believed in the final reward. And so we have a picture of that. Hebrews 13, this is one of the scriptures we looked at a few weeks ago. Listen again what the writer says. He says, these all died in faith. He just mentioned Abraham and Sarah. He says, these all died in faith, not having received the things promised, but having seen them and greeted them from afar and having acknowledged that they were strangers and exiles on the earth. For people who speak thus make it clear that they are seeking a homeland. And if... And if they had been thinking of that land from which they had gone out, they would have had opportunity to return. And I thought about that when I went off to college. I was waiting to go home, and when I went home, it wasn't home anymore. I think it was a good thing for me because I was always looking forward to another home. And we live by faith that way. And he goes on and he says, but as it is, they desire a better country. That is a heavenly one. And therefore, God is not ashamed to be called their God, for He has prepared for them a city. And as you go throughout the book of Hebrews, you see that repeated, the promise of the city of God. Just a few passages before then, Hebrews 11 and verse 10, the writer says, for he was looking forward to the city, that's Abraham, that has foundations whose designer and builder is God. Is that what you're looking forward to? Is that what is behind your faith? What compels you? Is that why you're here this morning? Is that why you read and you study? Why you talk to your neighbors about, about Jesus Christ? I hope that it is. Hebrews 12 and verse 22. But you have come to Mount Zion. You've come to the promise of God and to the city of the living God. And these are promises even in the Old Testament that we read about the city of the living God, the heavenly Jerusalem to innumerable angels and festal gathering. And I love that description there. You can read some more details there in Hebrews 12. But you start to picture that. To come to the heavenly country, to have that, to be a part of that city that God has prepared for me, the heavenly Jerusalem that is promised. To think about innumerable angels and festal gathering. A festal gathering is kind of a fancy description of a party. So think about that, that day in which we will be with our God and to be in the presence of Christ in the heavenly kingdom. That's where our faith is and our hope is. That's what's going to motivate us and compel us. Hebrews 13 and verse 14, as the writer is concluding, he says, For here we have no lasting city, you don't have a home here that's going to last. I feel weird now. I go back home and I think about where I went to school from age 6 to age 12 and I had all these memories there. And when I drive by at Montgomery, and now there's a Zaxby's sitting there. They just destroyed the whole school. It was, it was there. I think about, you ever driven by old homes and houses that you used to live at? And one day all those things are gone. They're not, nothing lasting here, but we look forward to a homeland. 
And he says, but we seek the city that is to come. That's our faith. That's our hope. That's what should compel us and motivate us. The Christian's faith that leads to a real hope in a city that God has built, for which Christ said, I go away to prepare for you. And we look again to rise to a better life, as is mentioned in Hebrews 11 and verse 35. The resurrection to a better life. Every faithful Christian, every faithful Christian is looking forward to a heavenly homeland. And that's something we should be thinking about, talking about with others. Before we finish this morning, I want to leave you with this. I know it says Revelation. This should say uh, Hebrews chapter 12. This is at the end of the faith chapter. Hebrews 12, 1 through 3. Therefore, since we are surrounded by so great a cloud of witnesses, so he's given all these examples by faith, Abel and Noah and Abraham and Sarah and Moses. And he says, those are the cloud of witnesses and they're watching us as we're running the race. They are attesting to what it is to live by faith. He says, let us also lay aside every weight and sin which clings so closely. They're just going to slow us down. It's only going to hurt us. And he says, and let us run with endurance. There's the endurance again. Run with endurance the race that is set before us, looking to Jesus, the founder and perfecter of faith. I remember when I was trained to run. I don't know how effective it was, but I could run a little bit faster. When I was trained, it was always focus on where you're going. Looking where you're going. Don't continue to look around you. And so, he says, endurance in this race, looking to Jesus, the founder and perfecter of faith. And so, the writer's saying, here is the ultimate example of faith, Jesus Christ. He says, who for joy that was set before him. Notice this joy. He was willing to endure the suffering that we looked at before in Hebrews chapter 10. It was set before us. He endured the cross, despising the shame. And in the ancient world, if you were crucified on a cross, you were to be ashamed of. You were just a slave or a rebel against Rome. And he says he despised the shame. He took it up with joy. And that in dying, he resurrected. And it says here in the text that he is seated at the right hand of the throne of God. Consider him who endured from sinners such hostility against himself so that you may not grow weary or faint-hearted. Think about Christ as the ultimate example and do not grow weary. Continue to do what is right. This morning, I hope that we continue in our faith, we understand and think about what is behind what we believe that is going to help us draw closer to God, that is going to help us to read the Scriptures more and to study more and to talk to our neighbors about the Gospel and our co-workers and those that we spend time with, our friends and family. Where is that motivation? And sometimes you might be thinking, I just don't know what to do. I don't know how to get focused. I don't know how to change my actions. And I think you see the answer here. In this text this morning, I need to have faith in the Creator. I need to have hope of eternal life. And the more I understand that, and the more that I believe in it, the more I'll live by it. And that will make all the difference and change me. And we want to see that in others. That's why we're here this morning, to encourage the faith and hope of each other, to stir one another to love and good works. This morning, if you haven't been washed in the pure water, Hebrews talks about being sprinkled with the blood of Christ and washed with the pure water taking Old Testament symbolism to describe the New Testament salvation in Jesus Christ and in His blood, that we contact the blood of Christ
in the waters of baptism and our sins are washed away. If you need to be baptized in Christ this morning, you can do that. You can confess your faith, having repented of your sins, be baptized and rise up in the newness of life. God will raise you up. He will wash away every sin. If you need prayers and encouragement, we encourage you to come. Please come as we sing.